Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. Hey there, everybody. It is the Saturday matinee, and I suppose, since I'm returning to the show after uh, quite a long time, I need to say a fine Saturday morning to you. Oh, it's been a oh long time. Oh my gosh. Where Wonderful. has that been hiding? <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome. Um, it is, of course, Saturday morning, <laughs> April 2nd. Oh, so early. 
<laughs> I just, boy, I tell you. I am here with the uh, the ever handsome Tommy Metz the third. Hooray, it's me. <laughs> and the ever handsomer Ray Delancey. I believe it. Shady's back. <laughs> tell a friend. <laughs> that is right. Uh, we are here to, uh, you know, I, there's going to be, I feel like there's going to, there should be, let's just say, a lot of horror in today's episode because. You know, we're Yay. all horror fans. We this is this is a great group to be with. We can celebrate all things horror. Um, but uh, you know, let's. That's why uh, I'm going to do the entire episode as the Grip Keeper. <laughs> Buckle up, everybody. <laughs> all right, I'll do Bella be Lugosi. Insufferable. <laughs> <laughs> all right, this is going to be fun. So we are going to kick off today's show. We're going to be talking. First, about the thing everybody's talking about, the slap heard around the world. Oh, did something uh, happen to that? I, I haven't I'm heard about it. Of course, that. referring to, um, yeah, you know, Sidney Poitier. He died, and they he was the first person featured in the memoriam at the Oscars this weekend. And of course, 1967, in the heat of the night, the slap heard around the world. That's what mm-hmm. I'm talking about. Got it. Yeah. Okay, so we're all on the same page. Good. We're all on the same page, yeah. yeah. That was a powerful moment in a powerful film, and uh, really nothing more needs to be said about it, but uh, <laughs> we miss you, Sidney Poitier. <laughs> right? I thought all the right. Oscars were bizarre and terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I thought about the Oscars a lot. I mean, of course, there is the infamous moment that happened now that, uh, you know, we'll see what comes of it. Um over time, but uh, are the Oscars ever going to figure out how to fix themselves? That's the first question that I have for you, too. They need to, I think that they just need to embrace the fact that they're not the Super Bowl and just charge less and become more niche because they're just, they're splitting themselves. They're eating themselves alive by being an Oscars that hates film. That's and so they I, do yeah. these weird fan favorite things and this, which are taken over by Zack Snyder people because <laughs> who can't forget when what's his name joined the speed force. I was like, what's happening? That's the number one. No. So that's what Twitter hey, does. Second with Cinderella. Right. <laughs> I would, yeah. I would just say like, go back to your roots and just a- agree that everything has changed. Streaming has changed everything. You can't be and there's so much more access to celebrities in so many other places. So I just, I think that we need to embrace it and just let it get smaller like it used to be. Yeah, I mean, definitely I feel the lack of love for movies in the yeah. Oscars. You know, I, I I loved it when they would do things like, let's talk about what sound, you know, great sound in movies and all this sort of stuff that felt like, oh, this is us, That this is them saying, these are all the awesome parts of movies. This is why you should love them. Right, movie lovers unite, not teenage boys unite. Like we're just, if they're not going to come. When suddenly you had Sean Puffy Combs introducing The Godfather... <laughs> for its 50th anniversary. I'm like, why is he even here? Has, is he involved in movies in any way? No, I was like, wait, is, are those guys snowboarders? Like, there was a bunch of just like Sean. What? It was just this just weird people. You no, know, and I appreciate, I, I appreciate they were there to introduce movies uh like for various anniversaries and stuff although right. then it was like the 28th anniversary the you know it's like right. some random it's like mm, that's not quite like i mean 10 20 i thought we were going through the decades okay this is going to be cool we'll see all these different films over the decades but then it's like the 28th birthday of pulp fiction I'm happy like, 28th says no one <laughs> that's, that's like, not a big celebration <laughs> these are the, the these are the actors we want to get 92 forget 92 right. let's focus on 94 it's yeah, I, yeah. It's a shame. I, I have a question for you guys. Do you think the Oscars will ever get better than they were in the movie Naked Gun 33 and a third? 
<laughs> I don't remember the remind Oscars me what happened that. in the Oscars in that movie. The, the, it's like the whole final act in that movie takes place at the Oscars, and it's just Frank Drebin causing mayhem during the Oscars, <laughs> and everyone thinks he's Phil Donahue. <laughs> oh my gosh, That's that is funny. fantastic. That makes that me want to go back and rewatch that, all of those movies. And <laughs> is that the one where he goes to the bathroom and pees and the mic's on? Because I know that was in one of them. No, that's the first one. That's in the first one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one I've seen probably more than the others. Yeah. Um, I can't remember. Sure. The th- and then the queen, is she also the first one? Yeah. Like now yes. I'm just like, maybe it's all the first one. Maybe I, I, I you've never really saw it. Remember when OJ was there? Oh, <laughs> well, that's right. Uh, dude, and everyone was con- like, yay, OJ. <laughs> uh, yeah, for his, for his memoriam when... <laughs> <laughs> if it ever gets played at the Oscars, they should just show clips of him getting hurt because that's his whole bit is he's right. just getting hurt scene after scene, like every time. Yeah. It's just him getting injured over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah, so that's the Oscars. But hey, do you remember that Coda won? Because no one's really talking about the winners. <laughs> no, no one's talking about that's, Questlove. <laughs> it's very sad. Oh, that's, that's the worst. That's I think so that's sad. one of the other than setting a horrible precedent for violence. Um, that's also the sadness is he took he just took away so much from so many people, including himself. Yeah, potentially for the rest of his life. If the uh, if the Academy decides to remove him from uh, from the Academy, that uh, which sounds like maybe what they're aiming for. So what would that mean? He's just he can't win any awards. Yeah, he he's no longer he can't vote, he can't win any awards. It's it's like what they did to um Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> Everyone, oh. He's he's in good camp with Harvey Weinstein and um Roman Polanski. <laughs> oh, what a great group. <laughs> yeah. That's a fun hang. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, the three of them can get together and talk about it. They can they can celebrate the Oscars they got to keep. Right. But not actually get to vote or participate anymore. That's I think what that means. So, we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right. Enough Oscar news. Um, you're, I, I would like to think you're both fans of Robert Eggers. Yes. Is that, mm-hmm. is that fair to say? Although his last movie, was that the um, Lighthouse? Lighthouse. That I had a little trouble with. I just, I don't think I got it. It was still beautiful and I'm glad it existed and I'm glad I saw it, but I, it ended and I was like, well, okay. I'm never going to watch that again, probably. <laughs> uh, but um, I loved his first movie desperately, and I'm really excited for The Northman. So, uh, where about you, Ray? Uh, I'm curious. Uh, I, uh, to be honest, I'm more excited at... Uh, I, I heard that after that, he's supposed to be doing a Nosferatu remake. Oh, He's a really interesting director, uh, and the the frustrating thing I think for him is that with the the uh, Northman, he is in a situation where he's working with a bigger um, studio at this particular point. It's a it's a more expensive film. It's a ninety million dollar Viking movie that he's been working on for the last couple years, and they are making his post-production process very difficult. He oh. said, uh, he, he basically said, you know, I, I'm never going to do this again. It's, uh, I, I think it's pushing him away from wanting to work with bigger budgets and bigger films because um, they are giving him a lot of notes and he's not happy with the direction that they're pushing his film. Oh, what, what uh, studio, studio is, it? is it again? Good question. Uh, he is at um, New Regency Productions. I thought they had okay. a good reputation with artists. 
Apparently not when it's wow. $90 million. Sure. <laughs> he sounds, he sounds incredibly, incredibly frustrated, uh, with the, with the situation over there that, uh, um, and he's coming out saying that before his movie has been released. That's pretty rare, yeah, right? He, the, Usually we just say creative differences and then they disappear. Right. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. No, I guess yeah. they want the movie to move faster. The, the beginning, I guess they feel is rather slow. It's, it's this big Viking story that apparently I didn't even know this. It's a, um, a pre telling of Hamlet because Shakespeare's play is actually based on a Viking tale. Huh. And, and so there's an element of Hamlet that we're going to read from this, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, Father, I'll avenge you. Mother, I'll save you. Sure, that makes sense. Because that's yeah, what's so, said over and over again in the trailer. Okay. Yeah. I didn't connect so, that. So I'm curious um, if, uh, like, once the film is out, are we going to be watching something that he's happy with? Or right. are we going to hope that at some point he may be able to release what he prefers as his director's cut? Oh, sure. Yeah. So and I don't if know. If that director's cut does well enough, will that make the studio, you know, if, if they should happen to work again in the future, will the studio give him more freedom? I mean, it's tricky. The Northman doesn't seem like uh, something getting made for mass audiences. So I, mm -hmm. I hope right. that enough people go to see it to, uh, to find uh, some interest in it because it looks crazy creepy cool i mean i'm i'm very i'm yeah. very in but meanwhile uh, over at hbo max uh ray you posted a story about the prequel for it getting worked yes. on what i am i am kind of excited about this usually i would be very trepidatious but the thing that excites me the most about this and i think you two can appreciate this because i think you both read the book right mm -hmm. yes yes uh one thing i liked about the book was all of the little side stories of things that happened in Derry from like years ago, yeah. like the, the fire at the club and uh, what happened to the, the gay kid, which happened in it chapter two, but just little things like that. I think they could make a really cool series based off of those little stories that had nothing to do with the, the main characters the the kids who become adults and we see them finally fight off pennywise the only thing that i'm seeing for sure is that it's said to include the origin of pennywise so who knows what's going to be included in this what do you guys think hmm. i'm Go super ahead, excited are the machetes doing it do you know uh, uh yes they're executive producing right okay. right I like everything about it, even when the movies were letting me down at times. And so, no, I'm very <laughs> excited. I remember there was an early scene of one of the scripts, either It Chapter 1 or It Chapter 2, that was going to open in a really old, old village way back in the day in Derry. And these like people are living in cabins and they're giving their baby over to Pennywise. And that got cut for being too disturbing. So the Machetes hmm. have been interested in going back in time from a long time ago. So that's exciting. I'm excited. I, uh, I, I'm very curious about it. I guess my big question, uh, not that Stephen King is always involved in uh, many of these spinoffs and things that have come from his stories, but I'm curious if he's actually going to have any involvement because I didn't see his name mm. pop up at all. Like his name wasn't even mentioned in the article, which was a little weird oh. to me. I'm like, hmm, is he... Is he? Does he know this is happening? Is this article the first time he's aware? Like, I'm just curious. Is he know, about finding that. out 
by listening to this podcast right now. Right. <laughs> Stephen, we are big fans. That's right. Hey. Yeah. Oh, very I've funny. liked everything. And then you made Tommy knockers. <laughs> oh, <all right>. mm. <laughs> the shots fired. Why have, I just, why have I taken shots at Tommy knockers? Is, weird. is Tommy knockers the one with the dolls? Oh, I don't know. Something someone with gets the killed with corn. Hey, Ruth. And all the dolls come to life. And oh, God, that was awful. That was just <laughs> torture. Uh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It was one of those that was like the, when there was that big period in the like mid to late nineties, when they were just like, let's take every Stephen King Everything. novel we can and turn it into a miniseries. Right. Like I bet <laughs> someone was like, we, you know, it needs a prequel dream catcher. And everyone's like, no, <laughs> we need no more dream catcher. <laughs> oh man. Well, um, so we just did a film board on the Batman and mm. Tommy, I believe you were on that. I know. It's, um, yeah. Uh, I'm curious because what was your opinion of the little bit with the Joker at the end? The fact that we get that tiny scene with him um, kind of almost as a, you know, a, I guess in a Marvel film, it would be kind of a post credit sequence. Uh, what, did, what was your thought on that? I liked it. I thought it was neat. I didn't, I didn't want it to be a sign for the future because I think that we can put the Joker out to pasture now. Uh, but I liked two crazy hurt people finding each other at the end. It was kind of interesting. Uh, so I was into it. And then when I found out who was playing the Joker, I thought that was also interesting. Um, the guy from, um, oh, I don't know, Dunkirk. Dunkirk and uh, Eternals. Eternals. Yeah. I don't know what Barry, that is. Barry Keegan. He was also in Killing of a Sacred Deer. I mean, right. he's a, such an interesting actor. He is. Um, did you watch the... the so they've subsequently released the extended like the deleted scene of a moment from the film when batman actually comes to talk to joker in arkham oh. uh, to try it almost it almost felt like and and ray i don't want to you know spoil anything too much i don't think the scene really does because i know you still haven't seen the batman yet but i mean basically cool. it's it's Batman coming to Joker, almost like Clarice coming to Lecter to give him the file to to have him look at it and say, you know, who is this guy? I need to catch him and try getting him getting help from another villain to kind of read the file a little bit. It was kind of an interesting scene that I they had. I love cut. that idea because that's well, how so much of the movie, how we talked about on the podcast, of it's such a spiritual cousin to seven. Like, really mm. just using it, like, I just loved how grounded it was. And so that's another cool grounding thing. I love that. I, I haven't seen it. I will watch it as soon as we're done. Well, and I think to your point, it speaks to the idea that they're putting Joker out to pasture. He's this, like, potentially, like, a malicious voice who can, like, plant seeds in people's minds in Arkham, like we see him talking right. to the Riddler at the end. But also Batman might come and get some <laughs> feedback from him. And that's really all we need. And I was like, that could be really interesting if that's yeah. the direction they go with this. So, and, and to that point, I think it's interesting how in the clip, you never really see his face very well. It's always obscured by the window. Right. We, we see like, and it's always kind of like we're focused on the glass and he's a little blurry behind it or things like that. Or we're just seeing his eyes or we might catch a glimpse of his mouth. Like we never really get a clean shot of him. And, cool. you know, I mean, honestly... Some of that's to the best or for the best because sometimes you're looking at him like eh, the makeup's not quite as good as it probably should be for a a film with half of which is being shown in IMAX, right? <laughs> but still, it's I mean it's an interesting scene. 
I wonder, like, is this something that more filmmakers are going to do? Like, you know, hey, you know what? Let's let's just we'll release this deleted scene on YouTube and just let people have it. it. You know, it's not even released as a special like a bonus thing, which I thought was really interesting. It also made me wonder if it was almost like a response to people wondering about the Joker. Oh, but I don't know. I couldn't find anything. It was just it was an interesting thing that suddenly yeah. was popped up online. I'm like, oh, they put that on YouTube. Huh. Maybe it was even a way for them to get a response to how people would react to this version of him. <laughs> to, to decide, well, hopefully, I mean, I'm in your camp, Tommy. Hopefully they're not going to include the Joker in a, any other films. We really don't need that. Um, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it could be one of those things where they're trying to gauge, do people like this uh, version of the Joker or do we just need to leave it? And put him out to pasture, as you said. Right. I hope that's their decision regardless, because I I could use some more interesting Batman villains. I mean, I'm sure he's got more than like the few that we keep seeing over and over. <laughs> we need Clayface. <laughs> See, that's the thing is like, I don't even know. I mean, because we, we've seen Joker so many times. We've seen uh, Penguin pop up a few times. Um, you know, Bane. Uh, you know, the, the uh, Catwoman, Batgirl. Like, I feel like we keep seeing the same characters uh, right. in films. And, you know, like, give us some more. Give us some more. I am watching, and I might finish it tonight, watching, this is old news, but I'm watching Severance on Apple Plus, mm. and I'm loving it so much. It's the Adam Scott series. Um, and I just, if people are ever looking for recommendations, I think it is outstanding and a real stylistic upgrade for Ben Stiller. He is directing a lot of the episodes, especially in the, like the first half. And it is outstanding. The, the story concept, like just drew me in. I still haven't watched it, but it's one of those film or one of those shows that I'm like, this might be you know, something that I jump into, like, I, I don't know, I'm debating, like, wait until they have like the full first season out and then just sit down and start plowing through them. You know, I did it. I sort of timed it for that. Cause and then I, I also watched all of um, the after party uh, and then I'm going to bounce from. So, yeah. So I highly recommend both of those. What um, um, that's uh, Miller and Lord, right? The uh, correct after party. Yeah. I gotta say, I'm a little disappointed that Miller's versus the machines didn't, uh, or the Mitchell's versus the machines didn't, Right. Take the Oscar for that. But yeah. anyway, anyway, uh, what about us? Uh, and Ray, what are you watching? Lately, I've just been trying to finish the horror filmography of Vincent Price. Uh, uh, part of there's a Facebook group I'm a part of, and we're going to be ranking all of his horror films. And I only have, I think, 12 more that I haven't seen. I've, I've seen like 30 up to this point. Wow. It's a hefty filmography. Um, what's that great noir that he's in? He's in the one where Laura. Uh, is it? No, it's not Laura. But it's the one where it's like they they go down to. It takes place like down in Mexico or something, and he's like a big game hunter or something, and it it go it turns into like this bonkers uh, bonkers uh, finale where it's like this big shootout and stuff, and he's in it, and it's just um so fantastic. It's it's a really great one if you haven't seen it. I haven't seen that. Could it be The Baron of Arizona? No, but that's a great film, too. Fantastic. Very strange um, uh, little film about a guy who actually uh, faked his way into uh, like being a, a land baron in Arizona. It's <laughs> it's wild. And it's, it's based on a true story. Like he actually he went so far as to become a monk in some place back in Europe where he um, forged a bunch of ancient like 
documents passing this this land down to his family. It was it's nuts. It's a really interesting film. Definitely worth checking out. Nice. Definitely will. Yeah. Um, gosh, I, I'm blank. Oh, it's, uh, is it, it's his kind of woman. That's the one that it is. Okay. So yeah, check out his kind of woman. If you can, uh, Robert Mitchum's in it and yeah, they're down in, I, I think it's, I want, I don't know why I'm saying Mexico, but they go down and, uh, and he is like this, this, um, no, he's a famous actor who also is down there to hunt. And I don't know, it just, it turns into this crazy, crazy story where they're all like, you know, coming together and the, the big shootout and stuff. It's uh, it's good stuff. So definitely check that one out. Sweet. Uh, if if we're uh, going to keep moving forward with this thing, I guess we should finally talk about trailers. Trailers. Cue the theme song, right? So, Tommy, we are, we're kicking it off with your trailer. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? I stumbled upon this movie on the internet. And no, it's not a movie. It's a series. And it is the fascinating uh, tale of Martha Mitchell and her sounding the alarm about Watergate, one of the first people. And she was locked up because of it. This is Gaslit. Mitchell. I've had some disturbing news, sir. Operation Watergate. Uh, security guards busted wide open. The next 48 hours are going to be crucial. I don't know how to put this. Uh, we're wondering about your wife. Y'all going to just stand around or you want to ask me some questions? You worked for Martha Mitchell's husband? Yeah. She's completely insane. Loud mouth. She's a truth teller. Unreliable. I love her. You don't I told you, no more interviews. It's a ladies' magazine. I will say how I feel. And if that gets me banned off Air Force One, I will fly commercial. So you were banned from Air Force One. <laughs> You're good. The reason that I had heard about this first is because I listened to the podcast that it was based on. It was based on the first season of Slow Burn, which I believe is a Slate podcast. And I thought it was really well done. And it's a too crazy to be true story that literally happened that she was known as sort of like one of the biggest loudmouths in American politics. She was the wife of John Mitchell, uh, who was Nixon's attorney general. And she just sounded the alarm about Watergate. And then she was sort of locked in her room under house arrest as a result. So I'm really looking forward to this. I'm really interested in the story, but um, don't shoot me or anything. I've never been a huge fan of Julia Roberts. Oh, okay. And, Get the guns. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was really surprised because like, at the end of the trailer, you know how they show the actors' names and it says Sean Penn. I'm like, that was Sean Penn? Yeah. yeah. He looks unrecognizable. He's doing a penguin, Colin Farrell penguin <laughs> moment. <laughs> and then the other thought I, I had while watching this was I, I caught a glimpse of Patton Oswalt whom I adore in everything that he does. But seeing him in something like this, I had the thought, Will seeing him in this take me out of the story? Interesting. Because I know him for being, you know, Patton Oswalt. Sure. The, 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 the MCU septuplets or however many there are of him. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, I'll probably watch it. I think it looks pretty interesting. It's, you know, I, I, I love 
little history nuggets in films like this. I mean, I don't know how accurate they're going to be. You know, it's one of those things you never really know until people complain after the fact about how how fake it all was, blah, blah, blah. But I, I find these so interesting because I'm like, how have I not ever heard her name brought into the conversation with Watergate? Hmm. Because it seems like there's a, a big element of her kind of, you know, um, kind of spouting off and and telling all this stuff that happened. And I find that really interesting. And so I'm really curious about this. And I do love Julia Roberts. I think she's uh, a lot of fun to watch. And I'm I'm very much looking forward to to seeing how this one one plays out. When does it uh, when does it start airing? It starts on April 24th, 2022 on stars. I didn't notice that. Oh, well, I'm not going to watch it, but enjoy the series. I don't have stars. I can't join another thing. Who Let me does? know how it is. <laughs> stars. Who 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 pays for stars? I don't. Apparently, <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's funny. I keep getting ads on my Facebook page saying, uh, "Don't forget to subscribe to Stars. It's only twenty dollars for six months." Oh, well, well, I can do that. Stars. I have to look now. Like, does it? Is it their own site, or is it one of those ones where you? <laughs> sign up through Amazon because Amazon has all those ones where it's like, oh, and you can also sign up for this and that and this for an extra however many. I think it's a good question. Their own. Yeah, there it is. Stars. Oh, you know, they have Outlander. That gets everybody watching that. Outlander, Power. Yeah, I'm not as familiar with a lot of their shows, but, um, huh. Okay. All right. Well, I guess I get to go next. (gasps) I know. So my trailer is for a new film that, you know, speaking of films based on reality, this is, I think, pseudo-reality. It is Silverton Siege. All units move in. When I was a little boy, I watched the police gun down my parents. Go, 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 go. I made a promise to myself that I wouldn't stop until I avenged them. That choice brought me here. It's a bank. This is bad. Come down. Tara, your side. Everybody gets down! We have the entire building surrounded. Surrender your weapons. Come out with your hands above your head. There's only one of two ways you're leaving. Prison or death. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not a bank robbery. So you stay calm and you go home. You're all the same. Nothing but criminals. If our lives are worth nothing, then maybe we negotiate for a life that is worth everything. Tell me what it is you want. We want the immediate release of Nelson Mandela. You have one hour, Captain. So uh, this is a South African film. Mandla Dube is uh, directing this. It's his feature directorial debut, and it's based on a real-life siege that took place in Silverton, Pretoria, 1980. Uh, And the filmmaker actually has come out to say it's about 60% factual. They're using a lot of creative license, wanting to make a more entertaining story, not a documentary. And I think that's an interesting thing that you don't often hear in this sort of film. Um, And and they're just straight out calling it out. It's like, you know what, we're, we're... fictionalizing a little bit because we wanted to we want to pump it up a little bit um and and we're following this group it's three freedom fighters who um start this this siege in a bank basically they there's a high-speed chase police there's this sabotage thing that they're trying to do then and they take refuge in a bank in silverton 
and all, a bunch of cost, customers and everything. And they say, you know, we're not here to rob the bank. And they're basically hiding from the police. And what they do is they decide to turn it around into an opportunity to fight for the release of Nelson Mandela. And they turn it into this big political moment that draws a lot of eyes and everything. Um, I This is another thing. It's like, this sounds like a really interesting story. I'm really curious to learn more about this. Obviously, I'm not going to be learning. I'll be learning 60% of the facts from the film. <laughs> I'm really curious. Uh, what did you two think? Well, uh, I know nothing about the history, but it definitely looks like it could be good. Um, it, it, it looks like I'm interested to see it. That's- I completely agree. I really dig the look of it. It has that sort of old film kind of look, which more actors or more um Directors seem to be using, like I just saw X in the uh, theaters, and that had that same kind of gritty uh, look to it. So I think it looks great. And I didn't know about it. I don't think, I didn't know that Silverton was a place. So I'm coming in hot, and I'm very excited for it. <laughs> Please tell me it's not on Stars. Uh, this one will be on <laughs> Netflix. Good. So uh, you will be able to see this one. Um, and you know what? It's interesting. Hold on. Now I have to look at something. So okay, yeah. No, I was just checking something. So yeah, the director, uh, the director has uh, is very excited about it. I guess he's normally a cinematographer. Uh, I was, I think that he shot Tootsie, like. a film that came out a few years ago. But uh, this film is set to release. Netflix is actually releasing it uh, to coincide with South Africa's Freedom Day on oh. April twenty seventh. Excellent. Nice. Just shortly after yours. All right, Ray. What's your trailer? Okay, so I don't know if either of you guys remember this, but a few years back on Netflix, there was a documentary series called The Staircase. And it was about this guy who called 911 because his wife died after falling down their home staircase. And after the police begin investigating, he becomes their prime suspect. And so the whole documentary series is basically kind of it's kind of like making a murderer but it's like is he guilty or is he not guilty we just don't know and hbo max is making a movie about it or miniseries right it is it is a miniseries 10 episodes this house is filled with so many memories family is all we got you are not perfect god knows but we've survived because we stick together and we love each other. John, I want to wake your marker. Kathleen's dead. Dad found me at the bottom of the stairs. I think she fell. They're calling this whole thing a crime scene. Is this normal? What's going on? What are the police looking for? We believe Michael Peterson murdered Kathleen in cold blood. It's fiction. It's fabrication. I got a call from a couple documentarians. It's totally normal. Nothing's normal anymore. I'm worried about some things that will come to light. Come to light. Sooner or later, everyone's gonna know who you are. Did Mom know? It's always two things with Michael. Michael? That's his name? Yeah. Unless he's pulling a long con. It's interesting to me that they're making this because after the documentary series, I think to myself, is this really necessary? Uh, (laughs) But um, 
I'm interested enough, nonetheless, to give it a watch. Uh, a lot of it has to do with Tony Collette. Tony Collette is in it. She plays the wife who dies after falling down the staircase. And then Colin Firth, who I've never seen a bad performance from, plays um, Michael Peterson, uh, the guy who is accused of killing his wife. And I thought it was crazy as I'm watching the trailer how much he really sounds like Michael Peterson. Like it, it was insane to me just how well the voices match. Can I tell you how excited I am about this? I saw this original documentary way back when it was on the Sundance channel. I actually own it. Ooh, <laughs> it's really? A two, it's a two, and then it's two, and then they followed it up with a special uh, years later. It's I'm fascinated by this case, the original documentary. I don't know if this is the one that they released on Netflix. I'm not sure, but if it is, I highly recommend it. It is the amount of access that the cameras, that the documentarians have behind the scenes with the lawyers in the courts and everything is a astounding and there's like legit twists and turns that happen in real time it's incredible so i'm really excited this was not on my radar at all ray and i'm so indebted to you for putting it there it does sound like the 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 staircase um netflix series um i mean it sounds like that was the one that where they they start following them shortly after so that's the one that Uh, was on sundance originally it's great it's so so good Interesting. That's it was really doing true crime stuff way before true crime became cool. Yeah, no kidding. Jeez, I I I'm really fascinated by this. You know, these true crime stories are fascinating. I I missed the documentary series entirely. The book, everything. I've missed all of that. I, I and I'm so I'm incredibly curious about uh, this whole thing and how how they're going to play it out over the course of these ten episodes, especially since Tony Collette plays the wife. Is she dead after the first? Is she only in the first episode, or is it going to be like a, a jumping back and forth through time so that we're That's seeing her all through the whole thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm curious. Uh, when is this uh, going to start playing on HBO Max? Uh, you'll be able to see it May fifth. Although I can't tell you if it if they're going to release all the episodes at once or if they'll do like a weekly thing. HBO doesn't really do that, right? Unless they actually I don't know. I'm looking on online right now. It looks like the first three episodes are right. going to drop uh, together, and then it'll be weekly after that. Got it. Okay. So that's how they're doing it. So I'm it's a little so bit of excited. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very Woo! curious. Should be a fun one. All right. Uh, well, gents, those are the trailers. I guess it's game time. Okay. So uh, for the games, um, knowing that you both are big fans of horror. I decided to go down, uh, you know, a rabbit hole. Maybe <laughs> if you've seen the Twilight Zone, the movie, that size rabbit hole, a pretty big <laughs> rabbit hole, digging way too deep into uh, two franchises, uh, two horror franchises that uh, that you both know and love. Um, I should say one that, uh, that, that Ray knows and loves, the other that Tommy... <laughs> Someone knows, but definitely loves. <laughs> yep. We'll see how this goes. We're, we're going to see <laughs> how this goes. All right. So the way that we play this game is we're going to uh, kind of walk through the production process. And the first set of questions that I'm going to be asking you both, um, we're going to start with some budget questions and then move into like locations and costumes and hair and makeup and huh. sound 
things like that. We're kind of walking through the production into post-production. Everything's worth one points. The goal that you have is to keep earning points and not lose, uh, not miss questions because you want to get to that sweet, sweet above the line points when we get to the script casting and direction questions. Those are the ones where you get two points per question or, or sometimes per answer, depending. Now, if you miss too many questions you are going to be dropped out of your project and you're going to have to start answering some questions from your other uh, for your from your competitors franchise no, no. so tommy tommy uh, or either of you if you miss two questions you're going to have to you're going to have to answer some questions from the other franchise now oh, no. they're not very hard <laughs> questions cuz oh, i know no. it may not be your thing but the points you earn go to your competitor <laughs> Wait, what? So, so I answer Halloween questions and he gets the points? Yes. What's but the you incentive have to, to get them right? I'll tell because you <laughs> you you get two of them right. Oh. And that's the only way that you get back to the nightmare and to escape questions. the basement. Exactly. Got it. That's right. I love this. So, that's very so, Can you imagine me scoring this game? Oh my god. <laughs> I, I I famously hope that I'm able to figure this games. out as yeah. I go along. Okay. So we're just gonna jump in and we're gonna we're gonna go bouncing back and forth between the two of you as we do these questions. I all right. It. Okay. All right. So first question we're gonna kick off with Tommy. Which, Are these multiple choice or no? Uh, sometimes, but okay, mostly no. Mostly no. Which Nightmare on Elm Street film cost the most to make? And I should just be clear, we're looking at nine Nightmare on Elm Street films, which includes the original seven, it includes uh, Freddy vs. Jason, and it includes the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street Uh-oh, from 2010. shoot. The remake. So, okay, so I was going to say New Nightmare because I thought that was the last in the series, but I know that the remake made a lot of money even though everybody hated it, but one of them was in 3D. Boy, oh boy. I'm just talking about my thought process because I don't know the answer. I'm going to go <laughs> ahead and say the the last one, the remake, just because things get more expensive as you go on. And you would be right. Hooray! Absolutely. The 2010 reboot cost $35 million to make the most any of the films has cost up to this point. Okay. Now, for a bonus point, (laughs) when the budgets are adjusted for today's dollars, is that still the highest budget of the franchise or not? (laughs) Um, Yes. You are correct. <laughs> ah! I feel so alive. Okay, you good. should. <laughs> Two points so far for you, Ray. Let's jump down to a couple of questions for you. Out of the 12 films so far, of course, number 13 is coming later this year. How many have had budgets at the time of production that were over $10 million? Oof. Oh, wow. Um little bit of a little bit of a budget jump on this question for you. I'm going to guess three. You'd be wrong. It is six. Six of them. That's more than I thought it would be too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ever since uh, Halloween H2O. Mm-hmm. They've all had budgets of ten million oh, or more, I guess which I makes guess sense. makes sense once yeah. you think of like yeah. the types of stories they were telling. Yeah. So, all right, Ray, you are down one. Of course, I so am. That might not bode well. We'll see. Now, here's your next question: Was the budget for the first Halloween under or over five hundred thousand dollars? 
Under. Under, you are correct. Yeah. It's a very, very low-budget film that has made it a lot of money now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it has. Indeed. All right, Tommy, we're going to jump back to some Nightmare on Elm Street questions. Okay. Which one costs the least to make? I'm going to say the... <sighs> Second one was so crazy. I'm going to say the first one. You're right. The first one. Damn it's always it. good to guess the first one because yes. they never have the budget to right. start these new properties. Uh, it only costs $1.8 million to make. That is actually more than I thought it would be because that seems still seems like a sizable amount of money. But he was a known guy. Well, and he was could command. It's not like he, this was his breakout. No, and it also came after Halloween, after Friday the 13th, when these other franchises have had proven that, that hey, you know counts. what, these slash movies could, could do well for us. So. Got it. All right, next question for you. Which was the first film in the franchise to cost more than $10 million to make? <laughs> this is, this is a, this, it's tricky, but not if you think about like where like some of the early success was for the franchise. Early success. So over 10 million, you said? Over 10 million, yeah. Uh, over in this corner is three. I'm going to say over 10 million. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm it's going a tricky to say, one. so number one was one. I'm going to say Freddy versus Jason. That is incorrect. I believe that. it. I Freddy, Freddy, that versus, Freddy versus Jason actually was the second highest. Uh, actually, it was the, uh, the this number. The first one to go to cost the first one to cost more than ten million is actually the third most expensive, and it's number four because number three was such a big success. Got it. Oh, I didn't. I know that it's so well regarded. I didn't know that number three was like a huge financial jump. Well, it, as far as like what it earned at the time, it, it. Uh, it, it did well for it's itself. one of the best ones. Four, yeah, that's absolutely. Dream Child, Dream Master? Dream Master. Dream, dream Master. Master. Okay, yeah. got it. Okay. All right. Uh, Ray, back to you. Which okay. Halloween film cost the most to make? I am thinking... Uh, I, I'm torn between two. <laughs> <laughs> I like your thinking noise. I'm thinking... <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I, I'm going to be wrong, but I'm going to say the 2007 remake from Rob Zombie. You oh. are incorrect. Good guess, though. Uh, it's the most recent one, again, proving I, that, that was, time and budget <laughs> generally I, keeps moving up. I, Halloween Kills is the most expensive at $20 million. I, I was torn between that one and Rob Zombies, but then I thought to myself, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take me by surprise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, here's your bonus point for that one. Is that the highest budget when you adjust for today's dollars? No. You're correct. Oh. No. Halloween H2O and Halloween Resurrection, when you adjust their budgets, Halloween H2O cost $26.7 in today's dollars and Halloween Resurrection 21.3. Wow. So... You got a point on that, but you've missed two. One more, and you're jumping the line, earning points for Tommy. All oh, right, no. <laughs> Tommy, back to you. Okay. Uh, we know the name of the famous street where our story takes place, but what town does the franchise uh, take place in? Spri oh, in <laughs> I think it's in Ohio, and it's Silverton or Springton or Springville. <laughs> Can you confirm if it's one of those? You probably can't. I'm going to say Spring Town. 
Springtown. You would be wrong. It is Springwood. Spring you were wood. so close. Springwood, oh. Ohio. <laughs> Springwood, Ohio. I got the state right. Okay. That's right. What is the actual street address for the Thompson family? Oh, in the movie. In the oh, movie. Boy, oh boy. No idea. You see it a number of times when you see the house huh. in a number of films. One, three, three, four, boogie, boogie, lane. <laughs> I nailed it. That's right. One, four, two, eight, Elm Street is where they live. Okay. I didn't even so. guess Elm Street. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, uh, where, you know, boogie, boogie, lane. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Why not? Yeah. Where did we learn that the town is in Ohio? This is, huh? This is a real, this is, I should almost give this to you as a bonus, but I'm not going to because it's a real challenge. Any idea? Where you mean? Where in the movie? In, or? in what property? Oh, did in we which learn, in which film? In which property did which we learn the film or that the town is in Ohio? <laughs> I don't know. Freddy's Nightmare, uh, the TV show, or Freddy's Nightmares. That's why you kept saying the word property. That's why. I, I was, yes. <laughs> got it. I don't think I knew that there was a TV show. I knew that there was a comic book series because I had a couple of those. Yeah. Uh, I know. Uh, you've missed three questions, so when we come back to you, yeah. you're going to be earning some points for Ray. Okay. Ray, and I, I went from two to three. Now we're at three. You missed three. Anyway, I'm, okay. I'm making the rules up as I go along. Perfect. Ray, <laughs> what is the name of the town in which the first film takes place? Haddonfield, Illinois. That is correct. And I should say it's more than one um, of the films take place in Haddonfield. Right. What is the name of the place where Michael is kept for 15 years before escaping? Smith's Grove Sanitarium. Oh my yes, God, uh, technically chance. it's Warren County's Smith's Grove Sanatorium, but yes, you got well, that right. Well, if you want to know the county. <laughs> That's right. What is the name of the company selling masks in number three? <laughs> I know this one. Silver Shamrock Novelties. Yes. Excellent. All right. Tommy, you're going to be earning a couple points for Ray here. I straight uh, up would have said it takes place in Coconut Grove. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a chance. Okay, let's do it. Let's go. What is the famous captain uh, the mask depicts in Halloween? What is it's uh, um, William Shatner mask? Oh, and what's the captain that he plays? Kirk. Captain Kirk. It's a Captain right. Kirk mask that's been painted. Phew. That's right. Woo. By the way, it's it's two points. I, I forgot to say when you have to do this, it's two points that your opponent gets. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah, well, so. Wait, but I want to do it because then I can hop back in yes. to my franchise, to- which I also don't know that much about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, great. Right. Who is the lead actress's famous mother, and what film did she famously die in in 1960? Psycho. Janet. Oh, no, I can't get this wrong. Janet <laughs> Lee. Get- yes. Okay, phew. Boy, Ooh. oh, boy. I would have been kicked off my there own for a film second. podcast. I know. Okay. <laughs> All right, you have made it back to uh, to the so I'm back in Silvertown or whatever it's called. I've already forgotten. Exactly. Okay, so uh, we're going to do a couple more location questions for you. Oh, in okay. Freddy, Ver- oh, this is for uh, for um, uh, for Tommy still. Okay. Oh, okay. in Freddy versus Jason, the protagonists drive from Springwood, Ohio, to Crystal Lake. Now, despite the fact that there is an actual Crystal Lake in Ill- or in Ohio. The Crystal Lake from the Friday the 13th series is actually in New Jersey. You don't need to know movies about this. How many hours, roughly, does it take to drive from Ohio to New Jersey? <laughs> <laughs> what was from terrible? Ohio to New Jersey? Oh. Yes. 
just roughly. I need like a you know somewhere in a four hour uh, window of, of time. And I just so you know, I legitimately I took, have no idea. <laughs> I, took, I took from the far corners of each state to the close corners of each state, so I have a four hour spread of driving time. I'm going to give it a straight ten. Yay! You yes! got it. So I said six to ten Perfect. is roughly the number of time, <laughs> the okay. number of hours that it would take. Now for a bonus point on this one. What is the one state between those two states? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I'm so bad at geography and everything else. <laughs> not, a, not, not even a clue, and that's so embarrassing. Ray, not for a point, but I'd like to think you know. I'd like to think I do, too. Uh, California? No, Pennsylvania. Okay. <laughs> yes, there you go. Good work. California. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, Tommy, yep. what is the name of the men mental institution? In Springwood. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, Freddie's place. <laughs> I, I do not. I, wait, do I know this? Um, Elm Street Tavern. I don't think I know this. It's Weston <laughs> Hills. Weston Hills. That is not in my face or my brain at all. Okay. Okay. Good last, last location question for you. Name the only other city depicted in the franchise other than Springwood. The only other city? Yes. Did you just give me that answer in the other question? Uh, well, no. Technically, you're right. They do drive to Crystal Lake, Camp Crystal Lake. But there is one other city that is shown in it. Huh. Um, huh. 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 Think about... I think I oh, Hollywood. There you go. There you go. In, yeah. in New Nightmare. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I did it. I did it. I did it. I was a little worried because I know that's one of your favorites. Yep. <laughs> okay. You got talking about like a different franchise this entire time. Like I was talking <laughs> about Spy Kids. All right. That's right. All right. Uh, back to you, Ray. What town is uh, Silver Shamrock Novelties in? Santa Mira, California. Yes. <laughs> what is the name of the boarding school at which Lori is the head mistress? Oh, uh, this is an H2O. It's a oh, son of a gun. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard someone say son of a gun before in real life. That's <laughs> awesome. Son of a sailor. I give up. I can't think of it. It is Hillcrest Academy. Son of a, yeah. Son of a sailor. Son of a, yeah. How many films <laughs> in the franchise thus far take place in Haddonfield? Okay. One and two do. Oh, Three hold on. Hold, hold on. Well, Oops. I'll let you answer this one, but you're going to have to jump over to some nightmare questions and earn points oh. for Tommy because you, you've missed three. So actually, let's put a pin in that one. We're going okay. to go back to Tommy, and then you're going to have to answer some of those other ones. Tommy. Hello. What are the colors of Freddy's sweater? Red and... What do you call that? Red or orange? I'm going to say red and green. You got it. Okay. Red and green. Which hand does Freddy wear his bladed glove? What? Wait. <laughs> Wait. Okay, so I'm looking at him. It's his right. It is his right hand. Okay. I notoriously, always in my head, thought he had two gloves. Until <laughs> I was like researching this. I'm like, oh, has he always only had one? Apparently so. Now, here's a question that's, that's related to the glove. How many blades does the glove uh, have on it? Huh. Four or five. I'm going to say five. All of them. Um, you're wrong. It's oh, no. four. It is just four. It's just the it is top four. fingies? Okay. Except in one film where it has five. Any guesses to which one that is? 
uh, either the one against Jason or New Nightmare. New Nightmare. You got it. Okay. I'll give you that one. Thank you. Um, we're going to uh, jump back to you then, Ray. Earn some points for Tommy. What style hat does Freddy wear? <laughs> is, it, is it a fedora? It's a fedora. <laughs> Two points for Tommy. What actor plays Nancy's dad, a.k.a. Lieutenant Donald Don Thompson? I know this. Oh, I don't uh, know. Saxon. Him. Yes. Thank you, Ray. Don Saxon. All right. And now you're back in Coconut Grove. And now you're back in Coconut Grove. That's right. How uh, sticking with you, uh, sticking with you, Ray? How many films in the franchise thus far take place in Haddonfield? Uh, Let's see: one, two, four, five, six, uh, eight. Rob Zombie's remake and the sequel, Halloween eighteen and Halloween Kills ten. 10. You are correct. Wow. Wow. What, <laughs> what real city inspired Haddonfield? Oh, um. And it's palm trees. <laughs> Remember that one scene where there's palm trees in the background? <laughs> yeah. you're, gi- um, you're giving him answers. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to give up on that one. Haddonfield, New Jersey. Right. Mm-hmm. And the uh, last locations question for you. What trees give away that the movie wasn't filmed Oops. in Illinois? <laughs> <laughs> the palm trees. The palm trees. Oh, oh Tommy, back to you. Okay. Um, what number is on the football jersey that Glenn is wearing when Kruger kills him? Is that Johnny Depp? You probably <laughs> can't tell Johnny me. Depp. I it know that Depp. scene. Because it isn't like a crop top. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say seven. No, it's 10. Ah, oh, I should know I that. Know. That's my favorite number. Okay. And what is around his neck? Any recollection of him? Uh, doesn't he have earphones? Yes. Okay. Good job. Thank you. Um, Ray, over to you. Yes. What was the other mask idea they tested for Michael before landing on the iconic look? <gasps> An Emmett Kelly clown mask. Damn, you even got the name. <laughs> I am impressed. Good job. I want to look up Emmett. <laughs> Who's Emmett Kelly? Uh, he is like a famous clown, like oh, a, kind okay. of the sad sack clown. What were the actors primarily yeah. wearing in the first film, Ray? Clothes? <laughs> yeah, what was the question? <laughs> what were the actors oh. primarily wearing in the first film? What? Right. How would you describe the clothes? Right. <laughs> or what was? what's a key element of those clothes in that production? Um, button downs? <laughs> I is know a what it is. question. <laughs> okay, so it's not too hard or obscure a question then. No, I don't think so. Okay. They were wearing their own clothes. Wait. Oh. The budget was so low, the actors all had to wear their own clothes. Oh, I was going to say Halloween costumes. So no, oh. <laughs> I didn't get it right. Okay. Okay. Um, last uh, uh, costume question for you, Ray. What color is the suit that Dr. Loomis wears under his trench coat? Brown. Brown. Yes, indeed. All right. Next up, <laughs> oh Tommy. Yep. Does Fred... <laughs> I'm ready. What happens to Nancy's hair after her encounters with Freddy? Oh, it turns a little white. Right. White, gray. Yes, right, gray. Hair. There's like a shock of it. Yeah. Exactly. How much fake blood did they use to pull off Glenn's death? Five gallons, 50 gallons, or 500 gallons? Fif- 50. I'm going to say sure? Yes. No, 500. 500. 
Is it really 500 <laughs> gallons? Five, 500 well, they gallons. They filled a room. That was, it's a they fountain coming out of the bed. Wow. Five. I guess I don't know what a gallon is. Oh, right. That's a gallon right. of milk. Oh, yeah. 500. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see me just mime holding a gallon of milk? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. 500 of those. Yes. Um, what is the nursery rhyme often heard in connection with Freddy? Uh, the whole thing? Yes. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. Three, four, better lock your door. Five, six, grab your crucifix. Seven, eight, going to stay up late. Nine, ten, never sleep again. Good job. Thank you. Ray, what was the tool the carpenter used to create the POV shots in Halloween? A Steadicam? Yes, a Steadicam or a Panaglide. Either of those would work. Cool. Nick Castle did one of his own stunts in the first film. Which scene? Ooh. There were so many people that wore the costume in that movie, but uh, he notoriously uh, complained about how um, he would never do it again because of uh, how challenging it was. It wasn't uh, whenever he falls out the window, is it? No, no. Uh, it is when he jumped onto the car in the rain after escaping the sanatorium. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, he was cold oh, wow. and miserable, and uh, it was a very long night. And he said he was just freezing because he was wearing all that stuff and the wet, 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 wetness. Mm. Gotta love a low budget. That's right, Tommy. Hello. We see very few animals in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, but there is a dog with a cheeky name for horror fans that appears as the dog uh, that uh, Kincaid owns in the dream master do you remember the dog's name 100 percent no but i'm gonna say hitchcock <laughs> no it is oh it's jason, jason. that's it funny jason that's yes. fun all right you're gonna have to go down to some halloween questions here yeah. and earn some points for ray um ray name michael's pet rat that he had as a kid and then later killed elvis that is correct <laughs> what animal is it implied in the first film that michael ate that is more overtly shown in later films. Yes, it is a dog. How he ate uh, a he dog? May, he ate a dog. He may hate dogs, uh, but which animals have we seen Michael explicitly not kill in one of the films? That's a good question. Explicitly uh, not kill a cat. <laughs> That's close enough. It's all those kittens in the barn. All oh, right, in Halloween Five. Yes, he's he doesn't kill doesn't kill the kittens. Oh. Good looking out. How many dogs does Michael kill in the franchise? He's a real dog hater, Michael. Is it three? It is five. He kills, counting that implied one that he ate in the first one, he kills another one in the first one. He kills one in the fourth one, one in the fifth one, and one in the tenth film. Lots of of dog hate that that he has. All right, you both are going to have to go answer some questions from the other franchises, starting with you, Tommy. What night does the film take place? What? What? <laughs> what? On what night does the first film take place? <laughs> I'm going to say Halloween. Uh, yay! You got it. <laughs> I, was, I, I was a little worried for you. I was like, what's happening? Christmas? <laughs> okay. Name, that was a mercy question. Right right was, was, you know, you got the points. Two, you you got that's right. Name two other non-Halloween films starring Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> True Lies. Okay. And oh, I just saw it. Everything, everywhere, all at once. I just saw it in the hey. theater with with fellow podcaster JJ. We love it. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to see that one. You got those points, and you are out of the hole. Ray, Thank you're you in the, the hole. Mercy. 
<laughs> Here are your questions. Who plays Glenn? Johnny Depp. Nice. Johnny Depp, that's right. And what is the name of the family that moves into the Thompson house after they move out? I don't remember their last name. I know the, the kid's name is Jesse. That's close enough. Jesse Walsh. Wow. Okay. The Walsh family. Yeah, that was a little harder, but uh, I thought you of all people. Compared to <laughs> when did Halloween take place? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, let's jump into some music questions, Tommy. Yep. Every film has had a different composer. Wait, where am I? Am I in my you're, But you're town? back in Nightmare on Elm Street land. Okay, yes. go. Every film has had a different composer. Can you? There have been nine. Can you name three out of the nine? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Absolutely not. <laughs> Charles Bernstein, Christopher right. Young. Uh, Angelo Badalamenti, Craig Safin, or Safin, Jay Ferguson, Brian May, and Jay Peter Robinson. Okay. I thought for sure you would know at least Charles Bernstein and Christopher Young. Uh, why but, would you uh, think that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> because I made I such know. a big deal for years about what a super fan I am of this series. <laughs> so you always, that's right. I know. <laughs> I know. I don't know why I talk out loud. <laughs> uh, Ray, can you name mm-hmm. three of the composers for the Halloween franchise? Oh, I know one. John Carpenter. <laughs> yes. Alan Howarth. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if this counts, but I know Cody Carpenter. It does count. Oh, okay, help cre- with the last two. Yeah, he's credited on those, so you got that point. Um, of the 12 films so far, how many does John Carpenter have a music by credit, not including his themes by? Not including his themes by. Because that's all of them. <laughs> I know he Definitely, he was credited on the first three. I'm going to say five. Five, you're correct. One, two, three, and, and what are those other two? The last two. The last uh, two. Halloween 18 and Halloween Kills. That's correct. What time signature did Carpenter use to write his iconic theme? Oh. <laughs> uh, hold on a minute. Let me hum it in my head. <laughs> one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. It wasn't 5-4, was it? It was 5-4. <laughs> Pulling that one out of thin air. There it is. <laughs> Tommy, back to you. Oh, good. Nightmare on Elm Street. The company that produced it came to be known as the house that Freddie built. What is that company? New Line. New Line Cinema is correct. Can you list the years each film was released? No, I can do the first one. Can you give me at least three of the nine? 1984. Okay. I believe was the first one. Correct. Go ahead and say 85. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And then I, I think they probably took a break because number two was such a bizarre mess. And Freddie shows up at a pool party. Um, so 84, 85. Say, I'm going to say they gave it another try in 87. You nailed it for those wow. first three. Good I did not job. see that coming from me. Yeah. Okay. 84, 85, 87, and then they kept going 88, 89, another break, 91, 94, and then, of course, 03 and 2010. Got it. Now, as you just said, this film was released in 1984. Can you name five other movies released in 1984? Huh. Uh, uh, I would have been <laughs> nine, so... No. <laughs> I don't have a mind for those. I'm surprised that I knew that 1984 was correct. So well, I do try not. a couple. Try, okay. Try. Let's say Back to the Future. 85. On Golden Pond. 
<laughs> on Golden Pond was 81. <laughs> yep. And everyone's favorite, Moneyball. <laughs> A few years everyone's off on that one. Favorite. Okay. You definitely uh, yeah. struggle on that. So, no. Okay. Um, all right, that was the answer there. So you're going to be back in uh, yep, in uh, Halloween right. land here yep. in a sec. So, uh, Ray, we're going to jump back to you first, though. Okay. Name one of the two production companies responsible for the first film. Oh, I, I know this. I know this. Um, I don't think you do. <laughs> I don't think I do either. No, I, uh, I'm going to kick myself, man. I can't think of it. Okay. Compass International Pictures. <laughs> Falcon International Productions. Those are the two. So, yes. You lose out on that. One, two, three. One, two, three, one. You've got one more, and then you're into, uh, into the other questions. All right. So, Tommy, for you, name two other non-Halloween films starring Donald Pleasance. Non-Halloween films starring Donald Pleasance, and he's... Dr. Loomis. Dr. Loomis. Well, I know you heard me say out loud, he's the cop, so this isn't going to go great. <laughs> I wish I would have just been quiet. Um, Donald Pleasance. You know what he looks like, right? Ish. But for some reason, I'm mixing him up with the guy from Don't Look Now and Invasion of the Body Snatchers. There, I'm putting him on my screen. That's oh. Donald Pleasance. That's the non-bearded version of him. Right. Um, I'm embarrassingly, I, I could take a long if time. I, but if I'm I said John Carpenter, that. does that help? Halloween? <laughs> uh, uh, other John, sure. Um, Boy skin. <laughs> oh, Escape from New York? Escape from New York. He's the president. Really? And but I, I was given that one, so I'm going to say Ghost of Mars because I know it's not correct. <laughs> Prince of Darkness is the other one that he yeah, did. Yeah, I knew that one. I love Prince yes. of Darkness. Oh, that sucks. I should have actually uh, thought about John Carpenter because I, I know I legitimately like that movie, and it made me nervous to touch mirrors. Uh, I know it's a freaky movie. Uh, all right, you're going to be stuck in in here for a little longer. I'm going to go back to Ray. Yep. Since you screwed that one up. <laughs> boy, oh boy. What kind of a game show host are you? Uh, I'm the worst. I'm the worst kind. Okay, Ray, you are jumping into some above-the-line questions. Each of these is worth two mm -hmm. points. If each different thread of this franchise is treated as a separate multiverse, how many multiverse branches are they? Are, are there? And what are they? Can you name like the films in each of those branches? Okay, so the first one would be Halloween's one, two, oh. four, five, and six. There's one. Halloween three is its own thing. There's two. Huh. Um, then there is Halloween one, two, H2O, and Resurrection. Okay. Then you have the Rob Zombie Halloween and Halloween two. Okay. And most recently, you have Halloween 78, followed by Halloween 18, Halloween Kills, and soon-to-be Halloween Ends. You nailed it. Oh, All my five. God. Good job. Two points for that one. That legitimately made my head hurt a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love re requels. I know. It's crazy. How many films have been written or co-written by its director? Not necessarily Carpenter, but by... Any Whoever is directing the film, film also ended up co-writing it. Okay. Um, oh. 
pretty sure. Okay. I'm going to say eight. Well, uh, well, you're off by one. Seven. Seven. Yes, it was seven. <laughs> Good follow up. <laughs> they were. Can, uh, you, can you name the Hall- one? Yeah. Halloween's uh, one, two, maybe three. Hold, hold on. One and two. The, the two Rob Zombie films. All right. Halloween 18 and Halloween Kills and Halloween 3. Uh, so 2 is where you're stumbling because Halloween 2 is directed by Rick Rosenthal who had nothing to do right. with the script. So He didn't help so with the, the script? He okay. didn't help with the script. It was just John Carpenter and Deborah Hill. So it's Halloween the first one, Tommy Lee Wallace, Halloween 3. Then you right. jump all the way to the two Rob Zombies and the two David Gordon Greens. So, yeah. um, and... Which one did I miss? Uh, well, you were adding Halloween two. Oh, I was adding the, yeah, because you, okay, you, you had eight initially. You kept having that one in there. So, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. So it's actually only six, seven once Halloween ends comes out. So, okay. All right. So you missed that one. Um, next one. Uh, what was the title of the original script? Huh. The babysitter killer. Yeah. Baby. Yeah, the cool. babysitter. Oh, the babysitter murders. The babysitter, the babysitter murders. Yes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Deborah Hill and and Carpenter split writing duties for the first script. What parts did each primarily focus on? So Deborah Carpenter wrote all of the stuff with the girls and the babysitters, and John Carpenter wrote like all the Loomis stuff. That primarily, is all correct. like the stuff about evil and right. All, all those, that stuff. all the long speeches, right? Tommy, back to you. Name two other non-Halloween films. Oh, we already did that one. Um, what Halloween costume is Michael wearing as a boy when he kills his own sister? Oh, I'm in Halloween Town. Halloween uh, Town. He is. Uh, isn't he dressed as a clown? He is. Okay. All right. You are uh, now. You're done with any of those. We're just going to be uh, leaving you in above the line for the rest. Um, Ray. You've got one more possible drop into the above or into the other side. So we'll see what happens. Okay. Tommy, back to Nightmare on Elm Street. Freddy's mother was a what? None. She was a nun. Two points. What was her name? What? She just went by <laughs> by Mrs. K. <laughs> oh, Mrs. K. She was a nun, so it would be Miss. Miss K. Um, <laughs> I a, do not know. Amanda. Oh, okay. In the fourth movie, we learn that Freddy's doing what with the souls of the teens that he kills? Oh. Think of his chest. <laughs> he's got, they're like coming out of it. Right. So he's eat, eat, trap, eating, trapping, eating and trapping. Right. They, they say absorbing. Absorbing. So consuming. Yes. Okay. Got right. it. Right. Exactly. Right. Wes Craven worked on scripts for how many films in the franchise? I'm going to say three. You are correct. All right. Can you name three of the other 13 writers? Three of the other 13 writers. Okay. Um, There's some I don't, fairly I don't, I don't famous wanna... names in there. That's why I Yeah, asked. I'm going to say Dan O'Bannon. Did he pop no, up anywhere? He okay. did not. <laughs> All right. James Cameron. <laughs> You're just didn't he write now. for something weird? Um, and uh, then, Piranha, uh, Piranha too. Piranha, that's what I'm thinking of. And then, uh, and then, uh, like I've gotten anything right? <laughs> no, so no, I can't. Okay, Frank Darabont. <laughs> is, I knew that one. one. Shoot, shoot, shoot. Brian okay. Helgeland is oh, wow. another of the big ones. Yep. 
Uh, and then, I mean, there's a whole bunch. David Chaskin, Bruce Wagner, Chuck Russell, uh, Ken and Jim Wheat, Leslie Boehm, Michael DeLuca is another oh. of the big ones. And then most oh, recently, Damian Shannon, Mark Swift, Wesley Strick, and Eric Heiserer. But the the ones I was assuming yes. that you would know. Frank, Frank Darabont, Darabont, I 100% should have gotten. Brian Helgeland and, uh, and Michael that's DeLuca. Mike DeLuca just gave himself for writing. It's his company. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. He's He came on to that one. Uh, all right, Ray, we're good jumping back to you for a little bit. You got to... Let's see. One, two. Oh, yeah, you do have to do a little bit of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street stuff. Good. Name three of at least nine actors who played themselves in Wes Craven's New Nightmare. In New Nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, Robert Englund. Yes. Um, Wes Craven. Yes. And... Um, Do you remember Nancy's name? I'm trying to remember <laughs> her name. <laughs> of course, I can't remember it because um, I'm under pressure, you know. Uh, John Saxon is one. John Saxon. Oh, that's right. Hey, her dad pops up. Heather Langenkamp. Heather Langenkamp. Heather, Heather Langenkamp. Yes. Famously, um, not a great actress. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> We're back to you, Tommy. And well, no, this game never does end. <laughs> so, <laughs> in case we were wondering, yeah, we're going to be here for the rest of our lives. What actor was originally cast to play Freddy? I'm going to say Donald Pleasance. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) That would be really funny if that was the case. It is actually David Warner. Oh, yeah. Do I know who that is? My apologies. He's he's evil in Time Bandits. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Very interesting, different take. Yes. Um, Who played the much more serious Freddy in the 2009 reboot? The guy from Watchmen and Little Children, I believe. He has three names, and he was a child actor, and his name is, if I keep talking, I'm going to Jackie Earl Haley. There it is, Jackie Earl Haley. We're just going to plow through these, and uh, we're going to do a speed round now through the rest of the game. What real-life husband-wife comedy team popped up in a cameo in The Final Nightmare? Husband Mm -hmm. and wife comedy team. I don't know. Sure. If, I don't know. Oh, maybe wait. not. They're both funny people. I don't know if they were actually like a comedy duo up on stages or anything like that. Oh, so I was going to say, but they're Burns and Gracie for some reason. <laughs> but um, but they they definitely were two comedic people that surprisingly popped up in the movie. Like, oh, them. That sounds really familiar. In which one? The final, final? nightmare. Oh, I know this one. It's so weird. Oh, I don't think I'm going to. I'm going to give it. you a hint. Think sure. back to. Um, one of the movies that you mentioned that Jamie Lee Curtis was in that wasn't in this franchise because one of these two was in that with her. Oh, it's uh, Tom Arnold and Roseanne Barr. There you go. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, which film features? Sure thing. Which film features Jaja Gabor? I know that too. Four, <laughs> three, three. Really? It was three. Yeah, I know. I was surprised. She's on the TV. On, oh, that's uh, right. Primetime bitch. That's right. And then doesn't right. he like shows up and like kills her in the TV? Yes. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. Cool question. Uh, what other field did, uh, what other field in film did Heather Langenkamp move into after her run in this franchise? What other field in film? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to say. Directing. <laughs> Special effects makeup with her husband, David Leroy Anderson at AFX Studio. Good for you, Nancy. All right. I know. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Um, This actor plays a doctor in the first film, but would later lend his voice to what iconic rabbit character? 
I guess I asked two questions. This actor, <laughs> I don't want to say his name, Charles but he Fleischer? plays a doctor. Charles Fleischer. What's the rabbit is the question. Roger Rabbit. Roger Rabbit. Um, please. Please, Eddie. How was Robert England credited in the first film? Fred Krueger, Freddy Krueger, or just Freddy? <laughs> That's so funny to call him Fred Krueger. <laughs> I'm going to guess one, two, Freddy's coming for you. I'm going to say Freddy Krueger. Oh, wait, is, one, two, Freddy's coming for you. So I'm taking out Fred Krueger because that would be insane. And I really kind of hope that's true. I'm just going to say, I'm going to say Freddy <laughs> Krueger, full on. It is Fred Krueger. You're kidding me. <laughs> it is Fred Krueger. That's you even guys how his run. name is written it's in the hat. Fred. <laughs> that's crazy. What happened to you? How did you cut your arm? Fred did it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, now you're turning it into a what's uh, a, what, uh, what Harry Met Sally bit. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sheldon. Sheldon did it. <laughs> Give it to me, big Sheldon. <laughs> that's right. There are four uh, actors who have appeared in more than two Nightmare on Elm Street films. Can you name... Uh, some of them. <laughs> sure. Let's see. Robert England. Yes. Heather Langenkamp. Yes. Patricia Arquette. Or was she just in one? She got replaced. She's just in the one. She's in three, and then she, but her character comes back. But I think she's played by someone else. I may be making that up. Oh no, she you dies. May, yeah, I think she, she dies. Yeah. No. Yeah. All right. Um, John Saxon. John Saxon. There's three out of the four. Good no. job. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, we're jumping back over to you, Ray. Who were the Whew. two other actors that Carpenter had approached to play Dr. Loomis before settling on Donald Pleasance? Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. Yes. Huh? Wow. That is right. What sitcom was Jamie Lee Curtis on hiatus from when she shot the first Halloween film? I can't remember. Operation Petticoat. Okay, that's not yeah. real. Who, <laughs> who, was, <laughs> who was Carpenter's first choice to play Laurie? I don't know that Is one Is Lori either. Jamie Lee Curtis? Jamie Lee Curtis, right. It is Annie Lockhart, daughter of June Lockhart from Lassie. I don't know that I've ever heard that. Annie he uh, Apparently, he was into Daughters of Famous Actresses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go figure. Everyone needs a type. <laughs> now, here's here's an interesting one. Or uh, maybe, maybe not. Who has appeared in more Halloween films? Pleasance or Curtis? Okay, so Pleasance was in one, two, four, five, and six. So that's five. And Curtis was in one, two. Okay, technically, she's not credited, but her voice appears in Halloween 3. Ooh. She, she does the announcements of the curfew in the town of Santa Mira. So I'm counting that. <laughs> so one, two, three. H2O, Resurrection. Oh, it's definitely Jamie Lee Curtis. That's right. She was in six or seven, if, whether or not you count Halloween 3. Right, exactly. No matter what, she was in more. Um, how, uh, let's see, we already did that. What name did Lori go by later in life to hide herself from her brother? Carrie Tate. Carrie Tate is correct. Fred. In, <laughs> Fred. <laughs> in, in what four films does Marion appear and who plays her? Uh, Marion shows up in one, two, H2O, and Halloween Kills. And, oh, what is the actress's name? Nancy Stevens? Nancy Stevens. Good job. Wow, wow. Which other actress appears in the franchise four times, but as two different characters? What characters in which films? Huh? 
<laughs> Repeat that one. Which other actors appears in the franchise four times, but as two different characters? Two different characters. What are the characters and what are the films? Oh, oh, I got it. Um, Danielle Harris. Mm-hmm. And she plays Jamie Lloyd in Halloween 4 and 5. And then she plays Annie Brackett in the two Rob Zombie films. Good job. Oh, the Ro- I didn't. Yeah, because that's a, a different stumper. multiverse. Yeah. Is there uh, a, a kid in one of the Halloweens that is like a big cult hero? That's who that is. Danielle Harris. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Very, very big uh, horror cult actress now. Um, which is probably why, like, Rob Zombie wanted to use her in the franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, which actors have played Michael Myers in more than one film? George P. Wilbur mm-hmm. is one. He did it in four and six. Nick Castle showed, uh, was in one, and he did some parts of Halloween 18 and Halloween Kills. Uh, James Oh, Ju- no, 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 no. Ooh. Tyler Maine. DK. Tyler Maine did the two Rob Zombie films, mm-hmm. and I'm going to pretend like I didn't hear you say that guy's name because I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought of that anyway. <laughs> James Jude Courtney, he plays him in the uh, the, the two most the recent two ones. ones. Yeah. Uh, do you know the character Billy Hill from Halloween Five, the kid Ray? Yeah, the stuttering kid. Yeah, I'm kind of friends with him. We we perform in Mandy's show Miscast a huge really? a huge number of times. Yeah, he's a really amazing singer. Nice. Okay. Yeah. That's a, you should get a bonus point for that. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Mandy should get that bonus point. Yeah. That's right. Of the nine, to, uh, Tommy, this is back to you. Of the oh. nine, we're almost done. Of the nine films, there have been eight directors. Who is the only one who have directed, who has directed two of them? Wes Craven. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was a little worried about you. I'm for still a so nervous about like backing into something dumb. Right. Okay. Got it. Can you name two of the other directors? You'll get two points for each one that you name. Mm, I'm going to go ahead and say Frank Darabont, just in case. <laughs> that would be wrong. <laughs> All right. Then I got nothing. <laughs> oh, wait. Do I know any of the later who did the remake with the aforementioned Jackie Earl Haley? That person was named, I don't know, Fred. Yep, probably. That person was Samuel Bayer, who you probably wouldn't have known. I was thinking, though, you may have remembered that Rennie Harlan himself directed Nightmare on Elm Street 4, and Stephen Hopkins directed Nightmare on Elm Street 5. Oh, wow. Okay. I had lost um, Rennie Harlan, but you're right. Okay. That's right. Um, And Tommy, back to you. Who is the first director to direct more than one of the Halloween films? I'm answering this question? No, this is back. Sorry, this is back to Ray. Okay. The director that directed more than one Halloween film? Who is the first director to direct more than one of the Halloween films? The first? Uh, Let me see. Um, Rob Zombie? That is correct. That's what I would have said. Last question. Can you name at least three of the other nine directors? Two points each. Dwight Little did Halloween 4. And Dominique Gothen and Gerard did Halloween 5. And one more. Did I say oh, two or three? three. I, thought I you said, said can you name at least three of the other nine? Oh, my bad. Okay. I, I'm not going to go easy and say John Carpenter, but uh, <laughs> Rick Rosenthal did Halloween 2 and Halloween Resurrection. Yeah, right. So and, oh, I guess Rick Glenn, Rosenthal. David Gordon, right? Could you also say him? David, David Gordon Green. Yeah. Oh, okay. Or that. 
<laughs> I know okay. it was Glenn David Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> so close. I'm sure he answers to that, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Let me add these points up real quick. This is insane. That was every question I've ever been asked. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy, you ended up with 43 points. Ray with 46. It was still really close. Wow, so, that is Tommy, closer than I would have thought. Be, you should be proud of yourself for uh, for sticking in there as much as you did, because I know you were a little nervous about yes, uh, coming it, in onto this Well, one, you but. also gave me some nice help, so I appreciate it. Ray, <laughs> well, it was a pleasure. It was fun. Yeah. It was crazy. It, it was intact. long. Yes. Uh, <laughs> let's let's run through these lists like nobody's business. So, yes, it is time for our lists. And for the lists, we are doing... They didn't understand the assignment. So, we're doing uh, movies about people who uh, didn't understand their homework, right? And, and teachers. I think that's what that means. So, that's that's my what? list. Right? What? That's did you what do I, something else? That's not what I did. Uh-oh. What? Uh-oh. What did you do? I did people that... <laughs> Didn't understand the assignment. I did it people wearing incorrect clothing to like parties and stuff. <laughs> okay. And Ray? I, well, I thought it meant like secret agents and government officials and police and stuff that are given assignments and they misunderstand the assignment they're given. Okay. Oh, All right. No, well, we, maybe we didn't, under the, we didn't understand, understand the assignment, <laughs> but here we are. Uh, mine are all homework and school themed about students who just need need help and more guidance. So for my first film, let's kick things off with Dead Poet Society. These are some kids who, well, there's two sides to this. These kids need some help, need some guidance to not turn into the uh, corporate overlords that their That's parents right. are wanting them to. But it's also a teacher who doesn't understand what his job is. They, the school just wants him to turn these kids into corporate overlords. They don't want him to teach them poetry and all this fancy stuff. So there's my he, first film. That's the one Poets part Society. that I, I really love that movie. But yeah, objectively, he is a terrible teacher. <laughs> <laughs> They are learning nothing. <laughs> it's a very it's a very light class, apparently. Maybe it's just a level one. Maybe that's why. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay, Tommy. What's your first first one? Well, do you remember when you would show up for a sporting event and you were doing it for average Joe's gymnasium and you show up for your big match and unfortunately your uniforms didn't come in. So for some reason, <laughs> I do not remember. They're all dressed in S&M garb and Vince Vaughn has a choker that says daddy on it. It's from Dodgeball, a true uh, underdog story. I legit do not remember the context of it, but I remember them coming out and the referee goes, okay. And Jason Bateman calls it rad. Okay. <laughs> Fantastic. I love that movie. I love it. So I guess we're I not going to have any steals. Is one, is one thing. I would love to think that one of these could be a steal. I'd love to see how that played out. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, Ray, what is your first one? Okay, so there's this really terrible movie that you may or may not have seen. It's called The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. I've seen it because Matthew of Ray. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. This is the one with Matthew McConaughey oh. and Renee Zellweger. Oh, I'm sorry. I saw the one that you had me watch. Like, okay, got it. But before they got their big breaks, anyway, in this movie, it turns out the reason Leatherface and his family terrorize people is because they're working for some secret 
society within the government that wants to instill fear in people in the American Midwest. And so some Illuminati guys come to their house in this movie and say, hey, you're doing this all wrong. You're not supposed to be killing people. You're supposed to be instilling fear and making them hate their lives and stuff. Oh, holy cow. I had none of this was on my radar. (laughs) It's a terrible, terrible movie, but. That is my first pick. I love it. Fantastic. The next generation. Uh, For my second one, you know, sometimes it's challenging uh, when you have a student who really wants to learn but is stubborn. And so you have to get him to uh, do some housework for you just (laughs) to get him just to just to get his mind in the right place. (laughs) I am, of course, talking about paint the fence. Uh, It is Karate Kid. Yep, Wax on. Fantastic. Wax on. Wax off. So there you go. Tommy, second, second put, pick from you. I knew I was about to go up, and I just took a huge <laughs> like, thing, mouthful of ice. Like, is it my first time podcasting? <laughs> hey, guys. You remember when you get invited to a party, and some mean girl is like, hey, it's a costume party. So you show up, and you're dressed as a Playboy bunny, just like Elle did in Legally Blonde. Boy, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, those, that's a really – that movie was much better than I was expecting it to be. Yep. Fun time, fun time. All I right, just recently Ray. saw the musical, and it's fun. Oh, okay. I heard that they're still trying to get a third one off the ground, but I think it's all tied up now with oh. you know, Disney, Fox, or all that stuff. So. Yep. Yep. All right, Ray, second pick. Okay, so imagine this. There's this king, and uh, he has a couple of guards guarding his son's room because he doesn't want his son to get out. And so he's saying to the guards, I don't want my son to leave this room unless I come and get him. But for whatever reason, they just don't understand. They're like, not to leave the room, even if you come and get it. No, 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 unless I come and get him. Okay, so we're not to leave the room. And anyway, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Even if you Uh, come and get him, we will not let him leave this room. (laughs) Where are you going? We're coming with you. (laughs) Oh, I love it. That is a great one. All right, final pick. For this one, there are times where you're struggling in school trying to figure things out and it's just not coming to you and you get saddled with having to go to summer school. (laughs) And lo and behold, you might end up with the gym teacher, Freddie the gym teacher, who is teaching you remedial English over the summer just so that he can earn his tenure. It is, of course, Carl Reiner's Summer School, starring Mark Harmon, a movie that I watched a lot. So many times. So Carl Reiner was behind that? I had no idea. Carl Reiner directed that one, yes. Uh, Kirstie Alley, Mark Harmon. Uh, Yeah, that was absolutely a favorite of mine at the time. So Summer School, my final pick. My final pick. Hey, remember when you're going to go, you get an invitation to a party, but somebody mean tells you that it's a Tarts and Vickers party, so you go and you're dressed as a Playboy bunny? That's what Bridget Jones' diary does. (laughs) This is like a legit phenomenon for all of these poor women. A, they all have Playboy bunny costumes in their closet, and they're just showing up everywhere. Wait, don't you have one in your closet? Moving on! (laughs) (laughs) All right, Ray, last pick. Okay, all I know is being in the CIA has to be a tough job because you get some assignments that come across your desk where you just cannot make heads or tails of what's going on. And that's what happens to poor J.K. Simmons in Burn After Reading. Oh, (laughs) 
as the audience surrogate, there are two scenes in the movie where he is trying to figure out what exactly is going on with all the people in the movie, and he cannot make heads or tails of it. <laughs> and he it's just hilarious watching him try to piece together who's doing what and why, and none of it really makes sense. And it never does, even at the end. He's like, well, just pretend it never happened. <laughs> it never does. It never makes Good sense. Good lists. That was fun. And yes, no steals. No, no steals. steals. Congratulations, us. All right. Well, so we got to pick for next week. We don't know who's hosting next week. So, uh, but you know, what do you want to, what do you want them to do list wise? Any thoughts on anything? Something we talked about, something we didn't talk about? What's Long going on in the real world? Arduous competitions. <laughs> Games <laughs> that never seem to end. Slaps around the world. Oh, so big, yeah. Notorious slaps or really long games or competitions. I actually like uh, slaps. Like, Let's like, do that. There, there are some interesting films with some interesting slaps. So slaps in film, we'll say. Yes. All righty. That is the uh, subject for next week's uh, trio. So thank you all so much uh, for tuning into this monumental episode. Um, <laughs> you know, as we always say, if you want to be a member to The Next Reel, go to thenextreel.com slash membership. If you'd like to join Letterboxd, uh, you can use the code NEXTREEL next time you're checking out over there. Even with your renewals, you'll get 20% off. And I'm just busting through that because this is long and we are all done, ready to go. So let's uh, say goodbye, everybody, starting with uh, you, Tommy. Say goodbye to the folks. Goodbye. It was a real pleasure. We did it. And Ray. So long, and thanks for all the fish. I <laughs> <laughs> can't uh, say anything better than that. So have a great time, every, everyone, and uh, see you next time. Have a great time, everyone. <laughs> That struck me as funny. So, everybody, (laughs) until next time, have a great time. (laughs) I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January. Or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Get started today.